Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Welcome to the Kojiko Inc. and Kojiko Communications Inc. Q2 2120 earnings conference call. Today's conference call is being recorded. At this time, I'd like to turn the conference over to Mr. Patrice Wime, Senior Vice President and Chief Financial Officer of Kojiko Inc. and Kojiko Communications. Please go ahead, Mr. Wime. Thank you. So good morning, everybody, and welcome to our second quarter conference call. So I'm joined by our CEO, Philippe Jeté. <clears throat> Sorry. Before we begin this call, I would like to remind listeners that the call is subject to forward-looking statements, which can be found in our press release issued yesterday. So I'll turn the call over to Philippe. Merci, Patrice, and good morning, everyone. And thank you for joining us to discuss the results of our second quarter ending February 29, 2020. In these unusual and difficult times for everyone, I would like to start by highlighting how our teams at Kojiko across Quebec, Ontario, and the U.S. East Coast have worked tirelessly to make sure that we maintain a high quality of connectivity services and increase access to information and entertainment for our customers. More than ever, access to our internet, TV, telephony, and radio broadcast services are of paramount importance for the communities that we serve, and I thank all our employees and partners for their commitment and resilience. Kojiko subsidiaries are quickly adapting their services to this unexpected situation and have implemented personalized measures to offer customers more flexibility while strongly encouraging them to make use of our online services. Kojiko Media also quickly transformed its radio programming in Quebec to provide all the information necessary to follow developments related to the crisis in each region of the province. As the pandemic is evolving rapidly, and its duration is uncertain. Kojiko Communications has proactively managed this crisis to ensure that it could pursue its operations, protect its employees, and serve its customers in light of new development occurring every day. The crisis management team has been successful at anticipating potential operational disruptions and implementing alternate modes of operation. Our efforts have focused on transitioning virtually all contact center and office employees to work from home, converting customer visits to self-installation and remote repairs in part through the use of new customer-friendly video technology. Transitioning all stores operations to be handled either online, by phone, or by mail, increasing network capacity in certain areas to handle higher traffic, providing customers with temporary relief during the crisis, including removing data overage fees for the minority of customers not subscribing to unlimited plans, and providing free news, kids and movie television channels, and not disconnecting non-paying customers. In the medium term, we intend to capitalize on a number of initiatives which we are implementing through this crisis to accelerate our digital transformation program as we expect many customers will continue to use online tools after the crisis. Regarding the media segment, Kojiko Media has transformed its radio programming to provide Quebecers with quality and continuous information 
related to the current situation while still offering musical programming. Kojiko's social engagement is an integral part of the company's DNA. In order to support our communities in these times of crisis, we have adapted our charity support activities as well as our community television programming. Kojiko was among the first companies to commit to donate to the COVID-19 Emergency Fund of Centraide, United Way, of the Greater Montreal, aim at ensuring food security during the crisis. The company has also decided to support several food banks in its local communities across its network. On a more optimistic note, let us continue with Kojiko Communications' latest strategic development. As on February 19, Kojiko appeared at the CRTC wireless hearings and presented its hybrid model network operator model, which would encourage continued investment in the telecommunications sector while truly increasing sustainable and effective wireless competition in underserved areas. Given the high barriers to entry in this sector, which represents access to spectrum, which requires or access to spectrum, this proposal would allow facility-based wireline providers, such as Kojiko, to access portion of the national incumbent's wireless network through an appropriate regulatory framework. The proposed framework includes mandating wholesale access with a frame of reference to negotiate roaming rates that better track market-based retail rates and mandated seamless end-off and end-back between networks. Our proposal to the CRTC represents a balanced approach that would re reduce a prohibitive barriers to entry for regional players, create new wireless choices for consumers and drive price down while simultaneously fostering innovation and investment in a high quality network. True to its commitment to better serve underserved and unserved region, Kojiko Connections announced on January 29, in conjunction with SWIFT, a non-profit municipality-led broadband initiative, the development of its network to, to 3,650 homes and businesses in Wellington and Lambton counties in Ontario. Kojiko will deploy fiber along 192 kilometers of underserved roads and connect these homes and businesses by the end of 2021. The announcement is aligned with Kojiko's business objective of expanding its services across Ontario and Quebec and supporting the government's goal of connecting all Canadians to high-speed internet. Moving on to Atlantic Broadband, the Thames Valley Communication Acquisition was closed on March 10th for an amount of 50 million US dollars. Thames Valley operates in the southeastern Connecticut region, a region uh, con contiguous with ABB's existing Connecticut network. When the situation related to COVID-19 stabilizes, we will be in a position to increase market share in these markets through our enhanced bundle offers, including the TiVo video platform. We will then also continue to look for further value accretive acquisition in the U.S. to accelerate our growth and uh, as we enjoy a solid financial position at both Atlantic Broadband and Kojiko Communications. Let us move to an overview of our consolidated financial results at Kojiko Communication. For the quarter, reported revenue has reached 586.5 million, increasing by 0.9% in constant currency. EBITDA has reached 277.4 million, representing a decline of 0.7% in constant currency and resulted in an EBITDA margin of 47.3%. At 
Atlantic Broadband's revenue and EBITDA growth were part, partly offset by declines at Kojiko Connection. The quarterly dividend has been reconfirmed at 58 cents per share. Let us look at the individual components. Kojiko Connection revenue has modestly increased by 0.4% relative to the first quarter, mainly as a result of rate increase effective November 1st, customers' transition to higher value offerings, and the continued growth in internet service customers. On the other end, revenue has declined by 1.4% compared to the second quarter of last year. This is mainly due to a decline in video customers and lower net pricing from consumer sales, primarily as a result of the carryover effect of product bundles being promoted more actively from the fourth quarter of fiscal 2019 and gradually phased down during the second quarter of fiscal 2020. Kojiko Connections reported the BIDVA has declined by 2.5% relative to the second quarter of last year, but by a more modest 0.3% when compared to the first quarter. The decline is due to softer revenues combined with a higher level of planned marketing expenses. The lost in primary service units has remained essentially stable compared to the same quarter last year as more telephony bundles have been marketed during the first half of fiscal 2020. Finally, as we are making good progress on the development of our IPTV platform, which is in testing mode at the moment. Atlantic Broadband's revenue in constant currency increased by 3.7% in the second quarter compared to last year, while the BIDDA increased by 2.8%. Revenue growth comes from both residential and business internet service customers and rate increases mostly implemented during the fourth quarter of fiscal 19, partly offset by a reduction in video service customers. EBITDA growth for the second quarter was lower than usual. As we indicated during the last quarter's earning call, mainly as a result of higher sales and marketing expenses, but also compensation expense related to additional headcount to support growth and additional costs related to the development of a new financial and human capital management system. Increased sales and marketing expenditures during the last year and improvement management of seasonal disconnects are paying off as PSU trends in Q2 have improved on all fronts relative to last year. Let us now take a look at Kojiko Inc. In the second quarter, consolidated revenues have increased by 0.8%, but EBITDA has declined by 1.4% in constant currency. Our radio business showed satisfying results with relatively stable revenue despite the soft radio advertising market. Kojiko Media maintained excellent ratings for its stations, which continue to focus on high-quality programming and cost efficiency. I will now discuss financial guidelines and our liquidity position. As noted in my introductory remarks, the COVID-19 pandemic is evolving rapidly, and its duration, magnitude, and economic impact are all uncertain. Our telecommunications, entertainment, and radio broadcasting are essential services and are in full operation. We do, however, expect the crisis to have a short-term impact on, finance, on financial results for the balance of the year which is difficult to estimate at the moment. For this reason, Kojiko and Kojiko Communications are both withdrawing their financial guidelines for the balance of the fiscal year 2020. We intend to reinstate annual guidance when the situation stabilizes. Let me start for Kojiko Communication by providing some color on the potential impact of the, on the, of the crisis 
oncological communications financial results and how well it is positioned to weather the crisis. Due to the nature of the services offered by Kojiko Communications, we expect its results to be less impacted than other industries during the crisis. Although the pandemic is expected to affect revenues and EBITDA in the short term, we do not expect a significant impact on free cash flows as certain investment initiatives can be reprioritized. As I mentioned previously, we intend to capitalize on a number of initiatives which we are implementing through the crisis. This will all accelerate our digital transformation program and benefit us when the crisis stabilizes. Kojiko Communications has a strong liquidity position to weather the crisis with $502 million of cash at hand and $948 million is unused credits in unused credit facilities as of February 29, 2020. This is in addition to the ongoing generation of positive free cash flow every month. Our two borrowing structures in Canada and the United States are also well below the maximum leverage levels permitted by its various debt covenants. Effective today, Kojiko Communications announced as a precautionary measure that it was suspending its automatic share repurchase instruction under the normal course issuer bid program, which covered the period up to the May 2nd expiry date. Our NCIB program remains in place, but we intend to purchase shares in, at a lesser pace than what our automatic share repurchase instructions implied in the past month. The pursuit of acquisition in the U.S. remains our top capital allocation priority. We expect some sales process to be delayed during the crisis, although some opportunities may arise. A small acquisition such as the recent Tame Valley transaction can be financed with cash on N and the unused revolver. A larger transaction would be financed through raising debt at the Atlantic broadband level. Finally, given Kojiko Communications' strong liquidity position as it, as, um, and its relative stable revenue stream, Kojiko Communications has maintained dividends at $0.58 cents per share. As for Kojiko Inc., the consolidated results are primarily derived from the communication segments. The financial results of the media activities, which represents approximately 4% of Kojiko's consolidated revenue, are, however, expected to be more proportionally impacted by the crisis. The media segment, which operates radio stations, is an essential service and a strong media platform, especially during a crisis. Our talk radio station and, and stations and strong news programming provides critical real-time information to the population, which results in strong ratings. However, these ratings are not expected to translate into equally strong revenue, since the bulk of the radio's revenue is generated from the retail industry, which is impacted by the COVID-19 crisis. The radio business has therefore taken immediate steps by temporarily laying off approximately 25% of its employees. The severity and length of the crisis and its economic impact, especially on the retail industry, are unknown at the moment. We do, however, expect to be in a strong position from a market share perspective when the situation eventually gets back to normal. So from a liquidity standpoint, Kojiko has a separate financing in place with a 100 million revolving facility of which 24 million was drawn at the end of February. Given the economic uncertainty created by the pandemic, we stopped buying back Kojiko's share under the normal course issuer bid program 
but I've maintained the dividend at 47.5 per share, dollars per cent per share. In conclusion, let me say that even though the crisis is a difficult moment for all of us, Kojiko is proactively managing the crisis to ensure that our employees are safe and we continue to deliver an exceptional service to our customers more than ever, uh, more than ever deserve in light of this new development occurring every day. As we continue to prioritize our customers' needs, we intend to further innovate and reinvent some of the ways we deliver our services, building on accelerated digital transformation and new initiatives implemented during this time of crisis. And now we will be happy to answer your questions. At this time, I'd like to remind everyone, in order to ask a question, please press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from the line of Vince Valentini from TD Securities. Your line is open. Yeah, thanks very much. And I hope everybody's doing well during the, the crisis on your end, guys. Um, I have three or four questions to do one at a time. You mentioned the push on more online self-service and, and self-installation. Have you seen anything in the last few weeks in terms of data points on how people are embracing that and, and what percentage of people are, are willing to, to use sort of those, those functions? Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. It's Patrice. So we, um, we have seen, well, I, I think first of all, there's not much choice uh, for operators like us and the customers as well to go this route in many areas as a lot of people are at home uh, or close to home. Uh, and there's a lot of customers also that uh, would prefer not seeing a technician coming in the house. So uh, that makes a lot of sense. So I think it's a good solution for everybody. And uh, so what we've seen recently in the, in the past two, three weeks is that uh, we have uh, less disconnections and less connections as well. Uh, but we're also seeing some people move from DSL services at competitors to our services, which, as you know, are generally uh, at least 120 megabits uh, maximum speed. But we have a, a good portion of our network, which is a gigabit available. Uh, so our speeds are quite faster than DSL. So, so it's going well, and we've introduced new tools as well to be able to uh, help customers even for remote repairs uh, through uh, video products we're using with customers as well, which, uh, which is something we're planning to keep uh, going forward. Thanks, Patrice. Uh, second, in terms of uh, video packages, uh, it's tough to figure out. I mean, there's no sports on TV. Uh, people are stuck at home. They're definitely watching more TV, Is it? but some people are losing their jobs and have income concerns. Can you give us any sense of the last few weeks? Have you seen a net increase or decrease in, in the size of the channel packages people are taking? You're seeing more people add or more people shave? Well, uh, Vince, everyone at home, as you said, so uh, we have seen um, increased load uh, throughout the day on our network. So it's not only just people wanting to be entertained at, uh, the, in the evening period. Now they want to be entertained throughout the day. I guess they are taking breaks. Uh, they're working all the time. So we see on the video side a combination of um, People searching for news, looking for and, uh, films and, and also kids uh, programming, so all kinds of entertainment. And the load on the internet side is uh, certainly supporting a lot of video conferencing. There's a lot of uh, business that has been done at home, and we all know that uh, uh, work never stops at home, right? It starts early in the morning, and it goes all the way to the end of the evening. So people are working really hard. Uh, and our network are uh, are are very capable. They, they uh, I think the Canadian telecom industry have built very good, very resilient networks. Um, so that uh, it, it pays actually to invest in our own infrastructure 
and and be able to have full control over it and uh, and deal with this extra capacity coming from very early in the morning now to uh, very late in the evening. Thanks for the. No, I'll just add uh, one more then. Um, in the Atlantic Broadband press release yesterday, uh, talking about network usage and and resilience, it was mentioned that there's been a 50% increase in video on demand. Can you clarify what that is? Is that almost all just free video on demand off your servers, or is that is that also an increase in paid VOD purchases for movies or other events? It's both. So you could think of the Netflix, the YouTube of the world, and there are a lot of also OTT specialized channels like Disney and others. Uh, so it's a combination of everything. So you have the the free, the freemium, and the paid services. Okay, thanks very much. Your next question comes from the line of Jeff Fan from Scotiabank. Your line is open. Great. Thank you very much, and hope both of you are doing well. Um, Follow-up question on the self-install. Um, are you seeing more self-install? I mean, obviously, you're doing self-install for both, but is that activity more on Internet? And what's your capability on the video self-install side? Uh, well, we see it um, actually a lot on Internet and video as well. So there, there, there are uh, many neighborhoods that, are, that, that have been wired and pre or pre-wired, if you want, uh, for, for a long time. Uh, so it's not very hard in many homes, actually, just to receive uh, a terminal equipment, a CPE, um, uh, video and or Internet to... Uh, just be hooked and uh, to the network, and over the phone we can activate and help the customer uh, navigate the very quick uh, installation process. And if they need more technical support, we now offer a video conference with the customer to really guide them through step by step uh, in um, in setting up very easily their service. So it's it's on both fronts, Jeff. Okay. And on the video side, are you, uh, is that the TiVo product or is that the new IPTV uh, that you're rolling out that you're doing the self-install on? We are doing self-install in, in a number of legacy equipment uh, pre-TiVo. We are doing it on TiVo where the network uh, actually was deployed for TiVo services. And the IPTV specific to the Canadian uh, uh, network of Kojiko Connection is still, uh, we're expanding our, uh, our, our trial. Uh, so there's more and more internal trials, uh, people on our, on our system. Uh, but we're, we're, we're very cautious right now, given the circumstances to, uh, to expand. So uh, more news to come. Uh, but development is uh, is completed and we're ready to expand. Right. And just another follow-up on the uh, your comment, I think it was Patrice who made the comment about DSL shifting over to cable. Um, I guess that makes sense. Uh, households are looking for faster internet service. Are you seeing um, wholesale volume coming back to retail for that very reason as well? And you mentioned in your release that there's some upgrades and downgrades on internet service. Um, I'm just wondering if the net impact is still positive, more overwhelmingly more upgrades as opposed to downgrades. Yeah, so uh, on the wholesale side, it, it does vary by, uh, by month. I mean, this crisis is extremely new. Um, <clears throat> so I would say we're seeing some of the Mainly the positives right now. So uh, as we talked about, uh, some DSL moving to to a faster internet uh, uh, speed. In terms of um, the previous question from Vince and and your question on changes on the current packages, we haven't seen a lot yet. Um, what we indicated in our MDMA in terms of things we think will happen in the future are a lot of things we haven't seen yet, but makes sense that uh, there will be, especially when we talk about uh, the economy and some 
some portion of the customers wanted to downgrade. This is this is not something we haven't seen yet. So uh, we uh, we will. So I would say more a bit more upside right now. So speed boost, some more connects, uh, so more transfer from DSL to our to our regular uh, to our network and. Um, um, yeah, I think of that. And for for the wholesale part, um, the wholesale part is on already on our network, so it's not as if it's offering DSL. So we will see in the future. It's obviously there's a lot more capacity usage being uh, being used right now in our networks, but uh, haven't seen a, a big change there. Okay, thanks, Patrice. Your next question comes from the line of Arvinda Galapati from Canaccord. Your line is open. Morning. Thanks for uh, taking my questions. Um, I'll start with a couple to uh, uh, assess sort of the COVID-19 impact and then move on to uh, the regulatory question. Um, on, on the first area, um, I was wondering if you can remind us a little bit of your SME exposure, both in Canada and the U.S., and also, I know it's early days, but there are there any sort of early indications that you're seeing that would give you a sense of what the impact would be in terms of sort of bill credits and collection challenges that you might have. Um, and the second question uh, related uh, to that is the uh, is internet overage. Um, can you disclose what proportion of your internet subs are on unlimited plans and therefore not uh, generating any kind of overage revenues? Okay, so hi, Arvinda. So uh, I'll take them in order. So in terms of the SME, uh, it's about 10% in Canada and U.S. That's, that's a portion of our revenues coming from commercial as opposed to uh, residential. Uh, there's actually a note uh, now that we have added about a year ago in our financials, if you want to see the exact number, it's note three. Um, so it's not, it's not a large portion, and we haven't really seen movement so far. Um, obviously, we have in there some larger enterprises, so we don't really expect a change there. <clears throat> we have smaller businesses, which will typically consume uh, the internet product, uh, which I would I would expect will not change much as well. Uh, some have also business phones, um, but a lot of people are working remote now, so this is often still on. And where the impact will be is in, uh, let's say, uh, bars and restaurants that have a video feed. Uh, uh, for their customers, so obviously as they're closed, this is not something they need. So it's a mix of products, but we haven't really seen much uh, uh, on that front yet. In terms of collection, um, this is something that we do expect will increase. So we have taken, like uh, most well, all the industry in both countries, uh, the uh, the view that if some customers have a, have an inability to pay their bills. Uh, that we're not going to disconnect those customers. That's typically part of the process. If uh, after a period of time, people are not able to pay, there's a disconnection. So we're going to hold off on this. So we do expect that bad debts will increase, but difficult to say at this point. It was not a major element in 2018, uh, sorry, 28 uh, crisis. Obviously a different kind of crisis, but we did not see a tremendous amount of increase in bad debt. So we will see this time what happens. And... Um, in terms of overages, uh, so about 75% of our customers in Canada are on unlimited plans, so it's only 25% that are not. Uh, and we are some, see, some seeing some people moving to unlimited. Uh, and in the U.S., uh, it's basically all unlimited. That's the practice there. Great. Thank you. Um, and then just on the regulatory side for Philippe, um, uh, I know that um, – you know, the decision by ISAID and uh, Minister Baines um, sort of complicates the regulatory picture a little bit. Um, it's not clear how the 25% reduction uh, directive from him affects the CRTC process. I know technically there's no direct connection, but uh, obviously the wording seems to suggest that uh, the CRTC process could conceivably be affected. Um, how does uh, what is your thinking uh, on uh, on on that, Philip? Uh, so, well, first we've always said that we would um, uh, enter the market on uh, with a profitable uh, business uh, case on hand. So, it's actually more relevant to look on the CRTC side right now. That's why we participated uh, at the hearings and the um, HMNO framework that we've put forward. Uh, 
in, is actually supporting investment uh, and uh, collaboration between the industry. The, 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 the fact that I said um, uh, issued some, uh, some, some, some guidelines, of course, the political layer influencing, um, in my view, it will uh, not have a very, very uh, strong impact. Uh, we, we've seen the price decline regularly in the last years. There's still a lot of room uh, in, in the Canadian landscape, uh, but the more re relevant uh, uh, development for us is actually on the CRTC side. Okay, thank you. I'll pass the line. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Mahir Yagi. Yagi from Desjardins, your line is open. Thank you for taking my questions, and uh, I hope you guys are all uh, healthy uh, with your family. I wanted to ask you a first question is on the disconnect. Uh, can you maybe tell us what is the normal disconnect that you have on a typical quarter, uh, when it re uh, w which is related to uh, unpaid uh, customer accounts. Uh, the reason I'm asking is, as you mentioned, it's unlikely that you'll disconnect any customers during the time of uh, an econom economic uh, uh, crisis like we have right now. Um, so I'm trying maybe just proactively here to assess, uh, you know, you might have some positive impact of that on your subscribers going forward. I'm trying to maybe just uh, clarify what the historical disconnect is uh, on, in a typical quarter for unpaid customers. And the second question I, I had is, um, right, rightfully so, I understand you guys didn't choose to provide a new guidance given that nobody has a crystal ball on when this crisis might end. Um, maybe trying to assess your view on your cost structure uh, if there is pressure on on the, on the top line, uh, how much cost can be uh, reduced uh, to make up for that lost revenue, i.e., uh, how much of the revenue decline can be um, uh, removed, uh, its impact on, on the profitability by cost savings? Thank you. Thank you, Philippe. Uh, just before Patrice gives you um, more color on your second question, for the first one, uh, I think we have to look at this from the value of the product that consumers are actually getting. And we know internet, uh, TV, telephony are among the high, the very high value uh, products that customer needs and wants today. So the, the, the their value is is actually very high. And the, the bill um, on a monthly basis is not very prohib it's not prohibitive at all right now, uh, considering the, the usage and the value it's delivering. So I, I think this will uh, be the fundamental to look at. Of course, some people um, might not be paid and will need uh, flexible terms, and we're, we're all about flexibility at Kojiko, we've always been. So if we need uh, to work with some customers on a personalized level to, to give them the flexibility to go through the crisis and as their income comes back and, uh, and things go back to normal, um, we, we will continue to deliver the service through the crisis and after the crisis. I think that's how it should be looked at. Now, Patrice, for the second question. Uh, yes, and maybe just to add on the first one, I, I think what uh, it's a relevant question, what will be the impact on PSUs if we don't have this connection for uh, non-payments? Um, so I, I will suggest that I'll take a note of this for the next call, because uh, actually even looking at the past, I'm not sure it will be as relevant in what's coming up in the next uh, two months, let's say. Uh, but, uh, but there might be an impact on PSUs, which we can discuss on our next call. Uh, in terms of our cost structure, uh, we do um, we do expect to have some savings on our cost structure. So we talked about more self-installed. Uh, right now, we uh, we had to close uh, all our retail stores in the two countries. 
where there was activities going on, some people returning equipment. So uh, there's a bit of savings there. We have uh, less truck rolls. Um, some is done by our employees, some is done by contractors. So we've already started uh, redu reducing some of these costs. Overall, I think we can offset um, some uh, revenue losses we're going to have and to be determined the extent of it. That's why we're not providing guidance, um, but not fully. So I do expect an impact on uh, EBITDA. Uh, however, when you go down to the cash flow level, um, there the impact should be limited uh, as we're, I do expect to have less CapEx, especially related to some network construction uh, less, less installations, which are capitalized for new customers, uh, less CPEs put in people's houses as well. Uh, so we would expect that the cash flow situation would not change uh, that much in, uh, during the period. Okay, great. And uh, I have a question on your um, debt uh, structure. I noticed in your MDNA, you renegotiated and lowered your interest cost on your debt um, can you tell us how much annual savings that will provide you uh, on a uh, on your on your income statement? Yeah, so we did renegotiate our terminal B in the U.S. Uh, before the crisis, so the rate uh, came down by 25 basis points. So that's about four million dollars U.S. per year. Um, if we uh, we obviously have to follow IFRS rules, which uh, basically forced us to recognize this gain up front. Uh, so that's why there's this large gain in the quarter, uh, which means that when you look at our financial statements in the future, um, using the current debt level, obviously if we made an acquisition, things could change, uh, but uh, you're gonna see an expense which will be higher than reality because we booked the gain up front. Uh, but in reality, we will be paying four million US less going forward uh, for the next few years. Right. So uh, the gain that you that you the, the large gain that you booked in the quarter that's going to be amortized over the life of the of the contract of the of the debt uh, term. Well, it's not actually. So the way the rules work, which are fairly complex rules, uh, uh, because the debt actually was not refinanced, but uh, we basically just changed the rate on it. Uh, so it's uh, basically we have to recognize the present value of this. So, uh, so the other the alternative would have been to do nothing, but we could not do this under IFRS, and you would have seen just the interest go down over time. So what's going to happen now is the interest will remain high uh, or higher, and uh, we book the gain now. So there's no amortization; it's all taken up front. Okay, thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Drew McDonald's from RBC. Your line is open. Yeah, th thanks very much. Good morning and, and hope everyone stays well. Uh, three uh, follow-ups, I'll, I'll just go one by one here. Clarification, Patrice, first on the free cash flow outlook. Uh, understand um, you know, all the puts and takes on, on CapEx. Any, any change here in cash taxes? Uh, as you go from EBITDA to free cash flow? Yeah, so actually this quarter had uh, an unusual element. We did some, we did make changes to our tax structure, uh, which resulted in about $6 million in tax gain during the quarter. So if you want to take a, a perspective view on taxes, um, it would be similar to what we had disclosed previously in our previous guidance, which was uh, about 12% cash tax. And total tax generally is around 20% or so. Um, so that's probably those are good numbers to look at versus uh, just looking at this quarter. Perfect. Thank you. On the, I guess, bad debt expense, as we go through the, the process here and, and fully comprehend your ability to manage not only the level, but provide flexibility in terms of keeping customers and recovering, you know, some amounts going forward. Just from an accounting perspective, presumably there's in the near term no real revenue impact. You'll take the receivable. It'll be a drain on working cap. When you get around to writing some of this off, does that write down, does it go above EBITDA from an accounting standpoint or can you throw it into, you know, some non-recurring item below EBITDA? Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I would expect it would fall um, above the line, so it would impact EBITDA. Uh, and uh, normally, we limit what we put in uh, restructuring, which really relates to restructuring. But it, it's a good question, but that, that would be my initial uh, answer. And as of uh, and as relates to when are we going to book a reserve on uh, older receivables is a question mark. So we're going to have to look through this during the quarter. I don't think we're going to be able to simply uh, put everything in receivables without a bigger um, uh, a bigger element of bad debts, but probably at a lower rate than before because there's circumstances that allow people in need to defer the payments. Yeah. No. Okay. That's great. That's actually very helpful. Thank you for that. One last one for me then with uh, Kojiko operating both in the U S and Canada early days here in, in what we're all going through. Is there any real kind of structural difference between um, Kojiko managing, you know, this whole situation in Canada versus that in the U S or uh, is North America essentially going through the same same impacts here well we we see both uh, actually the there, there was uh, a number of uh, country state uh, province city level uh, decisions throughout the crisis so the timing of their decisions didn't uh, this didn't actually came down in a very structured or uniform way, but we see almost everyone wanting to do the same thing. So as we, we we've seen uh, some uh, uh, some directives uh, in some areas of the of our network where we quickly adapted, and then that directive actually was implemented in in other places throughout North America over time. So uh, it, it's actually nice to have a presence on the Canadian side and the U.S. side as we can quickly move uh, new process and new procedures uh, fast through our network and uh, actually react this way. We're, we're exposed to 11 states and, and two provinces, uh, so there's there's a lot of, of things we've seen. There's a lot of process that were adapted, and uh, through our management uh, network, uh, we've just move the right information quickly on time for other parts to adapt quickly. Okay, interesting. Thank you. Uh, thank you both. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, please press star in the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Matthew Griffith from Bank of America. Your line is open. All right. Thanks for uh, taking the question. I just had a, a few uh, kind of small follow-ups. Uh, one is on the kind of the bundled promotion uh, pricing that uh, seems to have had kind of a bit of a negative uh, impact on uh, revenue. I was just curious if you could you know, provide some color on how over the remainder of the year uh, that impact will wane. Um, second is on the marketing expense, which has been, I think, uh, both in the U.S. and Canada, uh, there's been higher marketing initiatives. And wondering if you could put a dollar amount on that, and I'm assuming uh, going forward those initiatives will be uh, rather, you know, limited. Uh, so just what kind of benefit that could have to expenses, and just curious on the programming cost side with um, with sports, you know, being suspended. Like, what does that have a direct impact on the programming costs that we're going to see come through in the second half of the year, or is are those rates locked in? Um, just curious how that works. Thanks. Okay, so um, on the bundle promo, so we, um, so as we stated, we uh, did it a bit more actively during Q4, Q1, and a portion of Q2. Uh, so since then, it's uh, it's been slowed down. Now these these uh, programs uh, typically will give uh, discounts for a period of time, so it can be six months, twelve months, even longer than twelve months. Um, so every day we have some customers that will have an expiry on some level of promotions they got when they joined the company. Um, so we would expect that barring the COVID-19 crisis, uh, normally we would see a pickup in our pool. 
uh, going uh, going into the, the balance of the year. Uh, and then with COVID-19, we'll see what happens. But uh, I would say just generally dealing with the, with the promotions, um, I think this quarter would have been uh, a lower point versus what we're going to see in the future. On the marketing expense, uh, we, we don't disclose the exact number. That I think that would be very precise. Um, but it's part of the explanation, and we had um, we had mentioned it in previous calls that both countries would see a higher level of expenses uh, during the uh, first six months of the year. So we do expect a, a lower amount in the balance of the year. I also want to remind you, because uh, it's been a year, but uh, at ABB last year, when we compared the EBITDA year-over-year with the previous year, it was up uh, 10%. And one of the reasons is that we had decreased the marketing expenses. We were changing our plans there. Uh, so it was unusually low in the U.S. in Q2, which created the very significant increase in EBITDA, but which hurts a little bit this year when we do the, the comparison. Um, in terms of programming, uh, and sorry, and in Canada as well, as we said on the last call, we, we expect the ramp up to be more towards uh, Q3, but especially Q4. Uh, that, again, is, is without the COVID-19 crisis, then we'll see what happens. But normally, that's, uh, that was our plan. Um, in terms of programming costs, uh, it's a good question. This is something that's uh, evolving right now, and I don't have full clarity on it. Um, but I, must say, I can say that in the U.S., the way it's structured, uh, there is basic programming costs, and there is more uh, sports programming in the U.S. That we than we have in Canada right now. Um, and uh, there are some pass-through recharges to the customers. So I do expect that there's going to be some movement. Some will just be a change in the pass-through. Um, and the balance will be more of what we see in Canada. So if our customers are still... Uh, uh, connected because there is programming and there is some sports that are running as well. Um, then it's uh, it's same as usual. And to the extent there's some uh, court shaving on sports uh, for a period of time until all sports come back, uh, normally then we would expect to save uh, some money on the uh, on the content cost. Right, thank you. As there are no other questions in the queue, we will wait a couple moments for a few more questions. Again, please press star 1 on your telephone if you'd like to ask a question. Okay, so I think, uh, I think we're good. Um, so uh, thanks, everyone, for participating in today's call. So we're going to be back in uh, July. Uh, for our third quarter. In the, in the meantime, feel free to call us if you have any questions. Thank you. And stay safe, everyone. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.